This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. In today's business world, companies must discover their unique and distinct voice in the marketplace. What makes them stand out and what leads to their creative advantage? Customer experience is one of the variables smart businesses use to be both memorable and outstanding. My special guest today has built a successful multi-million dollar business in part using the key principles of customer experience. Let me tell you more about her. Sandra Yancey is the founder and CEO of eWomen Network, the premier success system for women entrepreneurs. By the way, men join too. With over 500,000 women connected through 118 chapters spread across the U.S., Canada, Australia, and the UK, her company has been helping women for 20 years to launch, grow, and scale their businesses. Sandra is the winner of countless awards and is featured in Chicken Soup for the Entrepreneur's Soul. She is the producer of the Glow Project movie, heralded by the Orlando Film Festival as one of the most inspiring movies ever created for women and CNN named her an American hero. So welcome, Sandra, to the Voice of Leadership and to Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership. I am really excited about this time we're going to have together, Dr. Karen. Thank you for inviting me. I am delighted, and I am more than honored that you're here today as my special guest. Mm. And I can't think of a better person to discuss customer experience with than you. Uh oh, you know a lot about it. <laughs> yes, you do. You have a lot. Yeah, I do. So yeah. Let's just dive right in, Sandra. So, my my first question for you is this: What is customer experience, and how is it the same or different from customer service? Most people have heard of customer service. Sure. Fewer may really understand customer experience. So tell us about that. So customer service for me is delivering on the promise, right? Whatever it is you promise to do, when you deliver it, you deliver the customer service. Customer experience is the how it is received. Is it received as you did what you promised or is it received as, wow, that was amazing. And in today's market, we find that good is not good enough if you want to sustain excellence. Today, the expectation is so much more. So adding a little of that wow factor, I think, is essential for businesses that want to stand out. So obviously, companies have to do a little bit of both. They have to do some customer service and they have to do customer experience too. So what are some ways to weave both together effectively? Yeah, well, first of all, there's customer experience will never happen if you don't first deliver the customer service on the promise, right? So delivering on the promise is fundamental and is a requirement, a prerequisite before being able to really deliver on you know, the customer experience. So customer service could be, for example, when you book a hotel room and you walk into the room and the room is clean, right? It has been sanitized, right? It has the required, you know, towels and amenities as promised, right? The customer experience really is when you get that chocolate on the pillow, right? But the bed has to be made first, which is the customer service. The chocolate is a a little extra. I belong to several different hotels, have their own kind of frequent participant kinds of programs. And there's one hotel I go to. And because I tend to use them a lot, uh, when I arrive in my room, they know which essential oil I prefer because I filled out a profile. And when I arrive, 
there's a little vial of that essential oil. They also know that I wear makeup. And so they provide me with um, makeup remover pads, which helps them too, not to get makeup all over their white towels. But nonetheless, there's this little added package of yumminess of wow of you've noticed me you care about me that goes beyond the expectation of the service you know i love the way you describe the combination of both of those together because imagine if you had the wonderful essential oil you had the great chocolate on the pillow and your room is a filthy mess it exactly just have the right impact so- Does, exactly oh. exactly so the service is fundamental it's a prerequisite so lots of attention needs to be put to that to meet people's expectations today but it's the wow factor of the customer experience that i think really not only separates you but gets people to talk about you which is really important in today's social media environment but it also creates loyalty dr karen right Right? And so when you can create loyalty with a great repeat customer, but also turn them into a raving fan, it doesn't get any better than that. You can't buy that kind of value. That's phenomenal. So tell us a little bit, Sandra, about the customer experience ideas that you found to be most memorable for your clients at eWomen Network. Well, one of them that pops up for me is in addition to just the fundamental uh, business model of eWomen Network, which is about driving memberships all across the globe for the intention of women coming together to share contacts, leads, resources, information to start grow or scale their businesses. We have a lot of other programs inside of the eWomen Network uh, brand. And one of them is, is that I do various different, for example, retreats and such. And I took a group of 19 women to uh, Bangkok and Thailand for the purposes of teaching them how to do a very high-end kind of five-star level retreat right? There's the kind of standard retreat. You can get into a, a neighborhood um, hotel and, and book a conference room and do the retreat there. And I could have taught how to do a five-star level retreat there, but I decided why not take them on and have them experience right, the retreat while I teach it so that they could see and feel, right? It's the emotion of the customer experience that really is what defines, right, the wow factor. There's an emotional response. And so I I basically sold it in a February, but we weren't going until November. And so there's a that's a long time for people to wait on something yet make an investment. So to keep them excited, I mean, this is kind of an extreme example, but I always like to start with the biggest example because then you can think about paring it down, right? But what I did was every single month, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, and October, I sent them a little gift, right, that related to the experience. And it was everything from luggage tags, which were a very distinct kind of mustard color, which was very important for us when we were arriving in a country that that English wasn't the the uh, home language to be able to see, I could tell the people that were transporting us, this is the luggage tags, the color of the luggage tags. And yet it felt good for people to receive that. And I put little things like, don't bring your baggage, bring your luggage. So I put little cute things to it that accompanied a little note from me within each one of the gifts right? A shawl that had the elephants because we were staying at an elephant sanctuary that I said, when you get off the plane, put this on. And that way, the team of people that were there to gather and escort them to the hotel would be able to recognize them. And by the way, I sent one to the team as well. So they had it on too. So this is natural kind of attractor factor. It was all these little touches along the way that made everyone go, wow, and excited, right? Continuing to look forward to the event together. You know, what I love about everything you're saying so far, Sandra, is this, you're talking about having an emotional impact from customer experience. 
And from that emotional impact, this is what gets people talking about your brand or yes. about the business because it's over and above just the basic customer service, which sometimes you could even ignore because all hotel rooms should be clean or whatever. But however, not everyone does these extras that you're referring to, like the luggage tags, the shawls, and and I know yes. you have other gifts along the way every month as well. So this is what made it memorable, made mm-hmm. it special, and kept the anticipation high for this upcoming event. Yes. At one particular time, many years ago, there was one hotel chain that when you checked in, they actually gave you a hot chocolate chip cookie, which was the first time I experienced that kind of like wow factor for kind of going to a regular hotel, if you will. The thing about that is, is that as times change, the uh, ante gets raised, right? And so while that's great, it's almost now expensive. Expected, right? And that's what differentiates, I think, uh, a real customer experience from customer service expectations. So it does shift. You always have to be thinking about it. It's not like one and done, right? You check it off complete, have to revisit it and say, what's new? How should I be shifting as the industry uh, shifts because the scenery only changes for the lead dog, as they say. There's always going to be others, you know, kind of behind you watching what you're doing. Highest form of flattery, right, is emulating what you're doing. But then that causes you to have to revisit how do you go to that next level. Oh, yeah, this is really fabulous because you're really talking about the need to be constantly creative in the yes. process and thinking of new ideas. So maybe mention a couple of things. Think about some iconic brands out there. And you've been giving little hints along the way. You talked about the cookies. My husband, by the way, loves that hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. He really enjoys that. It creates preference, though. I mean, look at that. That's a perfect example of all things being equal. Let's go with this one because they also have that wonderful cookie. There's some that actually give you two bottles of water, I've noticed now. You know, those are important little things that matter. Absolutely. So when you think about the iconic brands out there, what are some other examples of customer experience that you think are wow factors that others are doing and using? I think it's really important to be thinking about who are your repeat customers over time. And those, you know, I say there's three categories of your core uh, constituents. And one is a great customer. By definition to me, anybody that spends money with you is a great customer. There's no such thing as just a customer anymore, right? I mean, I think every customer that I receive, I view them as being great. They had choices. They picked eWomen Network. That's a great customer to me. And then the second category is the repeat customers. Who are the ones that kind of go and grow with you, right? And then the third category is your raving fans. The distinction with raving fans with the other two categories is that a raving fan sometimes is not your customer, They are people that have just heard about you or read about you or seen something about you. And while they may never be your customer, they might bump into someone who is looking for the product or service that you are offering. That A rating fan might say, well, I haven't used them, but I hear great things about so-and-so or such-and-such, right? That's a raving fan. And it's important to know, I think, today in a business, those three categories and to tag them in your database appropriately. An example that I got, which was pretty incredible, was I, you know, have found, like many women, we often find a brand of clothing that we just fall in love with, right? They just naturally fit uh, your style and your figure. You don't have to have a lot of um, alterations. The quality is good. And I can be known to be one that habitually shops certain kinds of companies, right, that, uh, that I, brands that I like to pick. It was interesting because I found out, I used to buy this brand uh, from a major department store and somehow found out that, for example, 
Dillard started carrying that brand. And what I like about a Dillard's for me is, and I've actually not been much of a customer of Dillard's, but they happen to be in a mall very close to my house and they have an exit, they have a, a, an entrance right by a parking lot. So I can park go in, do what I need to do and come out. When I'm in a hurry, that's what I want to do. I don't want to be walking, you know, all over a mall. So I thought I got noticed that they were carrying the brand. So I went in and I was like, oh my gosh, this is great and wonderful. And I started frequenting uh, that Dillard's for that brand. And I have to tell you, I was blown away that when Christmas time came, I received a box and it was clear that it was like a gift. And I thought, I didn't order anything from Dillard's. And I opened it up. And when I opened it, there was another box. And it just basically was a box that said, a gift for you. When I opened up the gift, come to find out, to be honest, I didn't even know, the brand of clothing that I like also carries uh, jewelry. And they sent me this beautiful necklace. I mean, truly beautiful. I've worn it several times. Um, that said, so we just want to thank you for being such a valuable repeat customer, right? And inside was a little invitation to a private closed event for those customers of that line only with a distinct entrance right? And you had to RSVP. So I felt very important, right? And to be totally transparent with you, I was out of town that day. So I wasn't able to go. It didn't matter, Dr. Karen. The fact that I got this VIP, you know, um, invitation inside a gift I didn't expect for a product line I've been buying for years became a point of distinction and immediately elevated my opinion of that department store, a department store that's been around forever, actually been in that mall. I just didn't know they carried my line, found out, and they've clearly tagged me. Do you see, Dr. Karen? They know not only that I was a customer, not of just the department store, but of that brand. They saw the frequency. They rewarded me for it and made me feel extra special. That is the epitome of customer experience and something that I strive to do. It's an example of what I want to elevate my customer experience to do. Pretty powerful today. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I mean, that's a story I'm sure you tell over and over again about receiving that necklace and so on and so forth. And so, I mean, it's it's the kind of thing that's so memorable. You can't keep quiet about yeah. it. And that's yeah. what I'm hearing you sort of emphasize and talk about. So as people think about their own brands, how can they figure out what customer experience might look like for them and for their customers? How do will they know which things to do? Well, I think part of it is that don't make a decision in a vacuum. So there's a number of ways you can always make those decisions. You could do some mini focus groups. And of course, today with the pandemic being becoming more manageable, you could do an in-person focus group. We've done those for a variety of things that we've launched in my own company, and they work really well. Because what I have learned is that for the most part, Dr. Karen, a really great CEO or manager doesn't have to have all the answers. What they have to have are the questions. You have to be willing to ask what would elevate our customer experience. Just asking the question opens the door of possibilities to begin to emerge, right? So who do you ask? Well, you could certainly ask some of your best customers. That's a customer experience in and of itself. We value, we see you, we value you. We want to serve you in bigger and better ways. We're looking at expanding our services and our offerings. Please come for a breakfast for an hour, a quick, you know, little lunch, you know, or even an after hours kind of thing, right? You can do that. And we've done that. We usually at that point have either a little snack, you know, the coffee, the juice in the morning, alcoholic or, and or not always never forget the non-alcoholic, you know what I mean? And, and that kind of thing. And waters is always your backup, you know, because some people with um, allergies and preferences and that dietary preferences, 
Um, but the point of the matter is uh, make the effort, right? And then have a little something for them that then represents the thank you. So you want to make the focus group its own experience, right? And then when they leave, you can give them a uh, certificate for the next purchase or whatever to have a percentage off with a specific a VIP code, right? That makes them feel extra special. So you could do something like that. You could always do it online as well. And with Zoom today and other similar kinds of services that are out there, you could certainly do it that, or you could even do it as, as a, a, a survey that you send out via a link if you have updated email addresses. Um, the other option, if you don't want to go directly to the consumer, the potential customer, is that you can open the door with your own team to say, we want to elevate the experience. And sometimes to get people thinking about not getting stuck in what do we do, the question is, where have you been wowed? What kinds of things have stood out for you, right, that's been a wow moment that you least expected, right? And just getting people to talk about experiences often goes, well, we could do something like that, but tailored to our own business kind of thing. So I think the opportunities are there. You could also probably research customer experience also has its own initialism, CX. It's that popular. It is the, it's considered the new uh, real competitive battleground is the elevation of the customer experience. And there might be a tremendous amount of suggestions for you there. But what I can say, Dr. Karen, is there's absolutely no excuse to not lean in to elevating the customer experience. Yes. And what I love is, and you've emphasized it, you don't have to figure it out on your own or by yourself. You can certainly ask the customers, the end users, or even your own team brainstorming together to come up with the best ideas. So there's a little market research that might have to be done and maybe even some testing and measurement on the backside of that. Mm-hmm. So what's some examples of even something, Sandra, that you tried, you thought was going to be a good customer experience thing? Maybe it didn't work out so well. Maybe that was a flop and you learned from it and decided, okay, we'll do something else instead. Yeah, I had one that stands out. It's hard to flop at a customer experience, to be honest with you, if it, if you've just put just an, I mean, honestly, a really good effort at just making it work. But I did have one that stands out for me. And that is that I had some, I do an international conference every year, and I had some clear VIPs that were going to be there. And I created some beautiful room drops. Um, a room drop is when you bring gifts to the venue and you ask the concierge or the front desk to please put them in the room of the person. And because I have, you know, uh, close to a thousand people at my events, I don't always see everyone, which is why the room drops were so important to me. And I put some thought and some investment into uh, the, the room drop. And so the person was registered. I do know that the person was registered. And so there had a room prepared for them and had a confirmation. And I gave the room drops. The room drops were put into the rooms with a little note from me. Just so glad that you're here. And in case we miss each other, I just want you to know, I know you're here and I see you in my heart kind of message, right? And I found out probably three, four weeks later that the person ended up having an emergency, not being able to show, didn't show, never got the gift, and the hotel, in this case, never told me. And it wasn't until I was talking to this woman sometime later, again, it had to be maybe even over a month, that I realized she wasn't there and it dawned on me. And I actually called the hotel back and said, so what happened to the gift, right? It wasn't flowers and it wasn't chocolate, something edible. It was you know, something that I had purchased, they had to go on the hunt to find it. And they were mortified as well. And so what that tells them is they have a team issue. It's called plan, do, review. You plan things, you do them, time to review and say to the team, next time something like this happens, 
we need to let the concierge of the front desk know so they can let the person know, you know, sh there should have been a reverse trail. There wasn't. Um, but now I did my own plan to review. So now I have somebody that obviously helps to coordinate the conference and she has a list of all the people and she verifies right with the front desk that they in fact have checked in. So I don't leave it to chance. I, I think it's important that we, uh, the hotel staff and we work together, but I don't leave it to chance. I've now put in my own system, just a quick check and balance. Did that person check in? Did that person check in? Did that person check in? So that I know that everybody was a, that was a VIP, in fact, received the gift. It's sometimes really hard when you send a thank you gift. You know, you want people to know you got it, but you don't expect them to send you back a thank you for the thank you. I mean, it gets a little tricky sometimes, you know, so I certainly wasn't expecting them to send me anything uh, back. Uh, but it, it, was a, it was a time I thought a real missed opportunity there. That's a great example because clearly the follow-up is important too to make sure that everything goes from A to Z as planned. Yes. About the whole experience. So thank you for mentioning that, the plan, do, review aspect of it. So Sandra, you are an entrepreneurial business leader. However, I know you also spend time in corporate as well. Mm -hmm. and a lot of the people who are listening to this program are corporate executives. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about how these concepts apply to the corporate world, not just mm -hmm. The oh, for sure. Leader, and specifically for the men out there, mm -hmm. sometimes they can be a little clueless about what's important to the women in their corporate world. So what might you share as sort of like some inside knowledge for the corporate? Yeah, and I think sometimes it gets tricky for men to be real honest with you around, are they potentially crossing a line, right? In wanting to show appreciation, just as sometimes in simple things in any kind of gift, all well-intentioned, you know, I think it's sometimes quite honestly, and I've talked to men about that. Yes, I think that to be a manager and certainly a senior manager. And when I was in corporate America, um, I was involved and was a, what they called at the time, high potential. I'm not sure what the, I've been out of corporate a long time now, so I'm not sure they uh, still call it hypos. They're your high potentials. But I think one of the things that I knew uh, growing in a corporate environment was that you know, they valued, I didn't have this word back then, but now in hindsight, I saw it. They valued the intrapreneurial spirit. In other words, you know, you're, you're not an entrepreneur. You can't just go and do your own thing in corporate America. There are a little bit more, you know, boundaries around that. However, I do think that I know still even in my own company here, you know, I have three quarters of a floor in a Dallas tower, my step, anybody that comes in with a really great idea that is totally in my blind spot, something I hadn't thought about that knows our values and what we try to create here in terms of the customer experience, having people come in and giving an idea is um, often well-founded. You can't get attached to it too much in case there's a reason why it shouldn't work or can't work or whatever the case may be. But I still think if you're coming from a place of service, you're coming from a place of excellence, you're coming from a place of point of differentiation, how do we stand out? Um, I think it's our responsibilities to uh, bring to surface some ideas of things that we can do. You know, the thing about it is, Dr. Karen, if I may, you know, a, a customer wow experience doesn't have to cost a lot of money. I mean, we're not talking about having to invest elaborately in things. I mean, even in all the months that I sent from February to November, it was the thought that count and that counted. And I think it also, you know, sometimes when it does cost more, let me just tell you, to be totally transparent, I think that's when you shift the price of your program and you factor in the customer experience. It is part of the new delivery system, right, of what it is that we want to, how we want to impact our customer. So uh, that, and not all people have control over the pricing in a corporation, 
But I think, you know, I remember very clearly having some expressionary budget money and that kind of thing and setting that aside for, I mean, there's the customer experience of the last Friday of every month I buy my team pizza. You know what I mean? It's not that hard to do. Um, and it means something and everybody looks forward to it. Oh, it's the last Friday this week kind of thing, right? Um, but it's also for the customer. What are some of the little discretionary things that just create that wow factor? So I think if you're in a corporation, it's about saying, hey, you know, I've been just all you have to do is do a search on customer experience and you will have the truly researched, you know, for those people that are very logical, why are we doing this proof of how this makes a difference and why it's so important. And I think if you're a man and you have women working for you and even other men, what I find is that if you go into people's offices or even their cubes, they tell you so much about themselves, right? You can just kind of look around and see what it is they appreciate. You know, I have one employee and every time I write a custom card of appreciation, she posts them. She's had them up for years. They're on her board. That matters. I have another one that really doesn't want any public recognition, but just going in and saying, hey, I see you. I notice that you love coffee. Here, have a cup of joe on me kind of thing with a, um, you know, a card, a, a, a gift card of some sort. It doesn't have to be a lot, right? If you look around and you see that someone has a lot of photos of their family, you know, a really nice frame to say, I love the photos of your cat, your dog, your family, whatever that might be. And I so appreciate you are picture perfect for our team. Here's a picture frame for the next photograph you take of, you know, someone that you love or your next vacation or whatever it is. You know, if you have someone that's a golfer and they clearly have, you know, the kind of golf paraphernalia, for lack of better words, in their office. Just a box of two, you know, uh, golf balls could be here. You always hit it out of the park for us. And so the next time you're golfing, here's something for you to hit a hole in one. I mean, you can make a spin on all kinds of things for your team and or for your customer, I think, that goes a long way. And it isn't one size fits all. What I love about what you're saying right now, Sandra, is the whole notion of being observant, being alert, so you can figure out the customizable aspects of this for different people. You're also talking about customers in a different way, not only external, but internal customers mm -hmm. too, because they need to be acknowledged. And you're talking about even something as simple as saying thank you, or something that may not cost much, but it says I'm paying attention to you. I care and I appreciate who you are. So all of those things that make it extra, extra, extra special. So Sandra, I want to shift gears a little bit because in your case, you have been on the front lines of helping women to succeed and to prosper for quite a long time. And you've published some information that says less than 2% of all women business owners ever reach a million dollars in revenue. So you are committed to helping 1 million women entrepreneurs to achieve $1 million in annual revenue. Tell us about this mission and why it's important to you personally. Yeah, well, it's a big one, isn't it? It's a big one. <laughs> I'm kind of a go big or go home kind of girl. You know, I hey. feel like, you know, shoot for the moon, I think someone said, and if you fall short, you still land among the stars, right? And I just always believe I'd rather have bigger goals and miss it than low goals and nail it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. But we actually measure it. We measure our members that we move over the million dollar mark. And I'm really proud of the progress that we've made. We'll be honoring, I think, seven of them just on our stage coming up at the end of August. And it's a really big deal because it significantly impacts lives. First and foremost, it impacts when you take a million dollars and you divide it by either your daily rate or your product rate or your program rate. It's not the same for everyone, but when you think about and you divide that into a million dollars, then for me, I think what I find is most people go, well, that's 
pretty darn doable. And for the ones that say that's, you know, impossible, then I always say that's an opportunity to look at their business model. Right. So how do we shift your business model so that we change the level in which you serve your people so that it's a higher return, higher impact. Right. But then there's that powerful ripple effect, you know, of how it then impacts the lives of the people that they touch. I know in my heart that when I go big, I know I give permission to others to go big. And I know when they go big, they give permission to others to go big. And it might be, you know, it's whatever your world is, whether you define your world as your family, your community, or the world, it's powerful. It's an incredible thing. And I think that women, I don't think, I know the research shows and proves it that women lead differently than men. And I don't put down men. I'm not anti-male. I've been married almost 43 years. I've got a great son most days. (laughs) You know, I'm like all of us, right? I mean, he's no different than the rest of us. But the point of the matter is I don't think you need to put anybody else down to lift others up. I, I just feel that it's our time. I think that the world is calling for the feminine energy and leadership. And when we do that with the knowledge that men have had so much privilege to acquire and they're sharing that with us. So it really takes us working together. When you haven't had access to the table, you need someone to sponsor you. You need someone to mentor you and we need to be supporting each other. I think the world is calling for not some of us, but all of us. This is a great time to be a woman in corporate America, a great time to be a woman entrepreneur. When you go big, you impact the economy because you start employing people, right? They then, right, can achieve their dreams, take care of their family. And uh, I think it's one of the few missing links and an important one. Clearly, you're passionate about seeing this feminine leadership come into being and seeing people impact the lives of others down the line as well. And Sandra, I know in your own journey, it hasn't always been easy. No. Entrepreneur, you've gone through lots of bumps in the road. You've stayed up late night stuffing envelopes yourself. You bootstrapped your own business, maxed out credit cards, almost went bankrupt. So what are the secrets of your success? What kept you going and what made it work anyway? Well, I think what's really important, not only in business, but I'm also first-generation American. My father died on my birthday when I was five years old. I was raised by a Mexican mother. English wasn't her first language. She couldn't get a job because we lived in a small farm town in Midwest uh, in the Midwest, and there was no mass transit. And so she couldn't get a driver's license because she couldn't read well enough to get a driver's license. And so it was not an easy upbringing. But let me just tell you, my mother always made sure we had a quarter to put in the basket on Sunday. My mother always reminded us that no matter what was going on, there were others that needed more. It was incumbent to whom much is given, much is required. And that applied, you don't have to be a millionaire. My mother would put my two brothers and I in a, a wagon, uh, pull the wagon, and my brother would ride ride his bike next to my mother. We didn't have a washer and dryer. We'd go to the laundromat. I remember my, my mother would send us into looking in the cushion for money that would fall out because people would bring their laundry, and there was often change and things in the laundry, and it would, as they were shaking, it would fall out. It would go into the cushions. It didn't happen very often, but every now and then it went, wow. And I remember my mother us saying, you know, can we get an ice cream with this? Can we go to the candy store? And my mother would say, this is money intentionally to pass on to someone. It isn't our money. It isn't our money. And since we don't know who to give it back to, let's give it to people who need it more. You will have your ice cream when it's right, when we can afford the ice cream. So it just I was just always raised with there's always an opportunity to give back and to give more. It started from the very beginning. What I have learned though is that you know I was one of these people that I didn't have the sorority experience. I paid to go to college. I worked full time. I went to school at night to get my bachelor's, my master's. I did a two-year postgraduate at the Gestalt Institute, a certification program called Systems and Organization Design. 
because I worked full time, the corporations paid for a lot of it. That was the partnership for me working really hard and a lot of hours. And I'm so, so grateful for that experience. But if it's one thing that I've learned is that, you know, scaling a small business, your own business, isn't too terribly in many ways different than a major corporation. And I think the, the key for us has just been to be really focused on five yearly goals. What are the five things we're going to do this year? Let's not try to be good at many things. Let's be excellent in a critical few. And what are those five things that are really going to move the dial, that are really going to move our agenda, which is our mission, right? One million women, each achieving $1 million. What's going to move that agenda forward so that you stay on path of who you say you are? Right, Because the more uh, successful you become, Dr. Karen, the more opportunity comes your way, and not all opportunities are the right opportunities. And if you don't know what you stand for, you'll fall for anything. So getting really clear on those five things, and then taking those five things and turning them into quarterly benchmarks. Is this something that we're going to do all year, or is there some things we're going to do for the first quarter, get it done, get it launched? And then we're going to start something else the second quarter. Are there some things that don't need to start until the fourth quarter because we need the first three quarters to get these things done because that it's interdependent. The other thing that we can do in a real compressed period of time of three months if we get these other things done the first three quarters of the year. So you have to make some decisions around that. And then once you have your quarter, now you've got three months. So what are your monthly milestones? What are the things you have to do every month to make sure you nail that quarterly objective? And in the month, there's four weeks. So what are your weekly deliverables? What do you have to do each of the four weeks to make sure that it isn't the 25th of the month and you go, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to nail that and I haven't even started, right? And now you're completely out of balance working so many hours to get that done or you miss it, right? So what are those weekly deliverables? And then what are your daily actions? In our company, we have three critical daily actions that everybody is responsible to do every single day. That doesn't include answering the phone and, and doing email. Three critical things that are supposed to meet your, your weekly deliverables. And we actually report them Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Everybody gets on a Slack call and we run through what are your three deliverables for the day. Because three times five is 15. If you've got 15 critical things that you have worked on and made progress on to hit your weekly deliverables, and you're doing that every week, you've taken care of your monthly, which then drops into your quarterly, which then means that you meet it. And then every now and then you're going to have something like a pandemic happen, and it's going to screw everything up. And guess what? If you've got the right priorities with the right people, the right processes, the right performance measures, right? Then you will be able to readjust as needed. That's really my system. So I'm hearing several things, Sandra, and what you're sharing. And one is that to be successful, it requires planning. It requires intentionality and not just annually, but you talked about annually, quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily, and really focusing on the critical items. That's really huge because sometimes people get too scattered and that's mm -hmm. why they're not very successful. Mm -hmm. And so in your case, I'm also hearing a thread from your mother in particular, a real thread of sharing and abundance, even though your family may not have been prosperous themselves, that didn't stop them from sharing with other people who might've needed more. I think that that is an attitude and a mindset and a value system that's really powerful in terms yes. of success. It breeds prosperity, doesn't it? I've always felt prosperous. I've always felt that I've been in a position to give. Mm. It was always something to give. Always. Yeah, that's a gift that you got from your mother. Yes. I know that there were times when business was tough and you might have even considered throwing in the towel. What were some other things your mother said to you that encouraged you to stay on your own journey? Well, I have a very powerful moment with my mother that is the reason why I am where I am today. I was about, oh my goodness, a year and a half-ish into eWomen Network and it was much harder than I thought it was going to be. And it was really rattling my confidence because I came out of a corporate environment where I was 
appreciated and acknowledged and rewarded and celebrated. And so I had my own um, ego around just being transparent with you around, I can do this. And so when I started my own business, I couldn't do it. <laughs> it's really the bottom line, but you know, and I was really struggling with it. And I remember uh, the kids were, were outside. I was in the house, the phone rang, you remember landlines, <laughs> right? And I picked up the landline line, although it was cordless. I was keeping an eye on the kids. It was my mom. She was just checking in, you know, she lived in uh, Dayton and I lived in Dallas and she was just checking in. She was like, how are you doing? I'm like, fine, fine. And she just knew my mother just knew. And she just like said, you know, you're so clearly not fine what's happening, you know? And I just said, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm, I'm just, I'm doing everything I can think about doing. And I just can't get this thing off the ground. It's not getting the traction I need. So I told her, I said, I think I, I'm going to quit. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go get a job and I'll do e-women network on the side. And my mother was like, well, first of all, you've always said there's a big difference between a job and a career, and it's about 20 hours a week. <laughs> I used to say that a lot. You know? And um, so I don't think you're going to get a job. I think you're going to get a, a position that is a career position where there's going to be higher expectations. How many hours are you putting into eWomen Network right now? And I remember saying, I think I've got 60, 65. My children were little. I mean, four years old and nine years old. I mean, I was ragged trying to like do it all. And she said, so, you know, if you're putting those kind of hours into eWomen Network, you're going to go get a job and you're going to do eWomen Network on the side. What kind of traction you think you're going to get? And I, I just was like, I don't know. I don't know, mother. Quit asking me these questions. <laughs> I said, fine, I'll just quit. And she said to me something, chokes me up just thinking about it. She asked me a question that was life-changing for me because she said, um, she said, honey, she said, how do you know you're not quitting five minutes before the miracle begins? And it really stopped me. And I said, well, mom, I don't know. And she said, then, honey, you can't quit. She says, I'm not telling you not to quit. I'm just saying that if you quit, you have to know that you are quitting. You have to be clear. You just have to be solid in the knowing that you're quitting. Otherwise, she says, I'm promising you, you will spend the rest of your life wondering what might have been. And that's no way to live a life. And I said to her, I said, Mom, so what do I do? And she said, well, that, honey, I can't tell you. My mother was an orphan. She was raised in a convent for a whole lot of reasons. And she just didn't have a lot of uh, real mentorship and parenting. And she wasn't an educated woman. And she says, but I do know one thing. She says, I gave birth to a daughter smart enough to figure it out. And, you know, sometimes when you're really low, Dr. Karen, you need somebody that believes in you. And I was feeling incredibly isolated and lonely. And I started to question myself. My stinking thinking started shouting at me. And I just took her in. I said, thanks, mom. I needed that. And I did. And I hung up. It just, it was, I was on empty. And she just put one gallon of gas in my tank, just enough to turn that ignition over, to get it burning again, so that I could say, I'm smart enough to figure this out. I got to figure this out. And that's about the time I went and got a coach. Mm -hmm. It wasn't immediate. I started to hear about coaching. You got to remember in 2002, you know, business coaching wasn't a, a thing. It was mostly related to sports. And I got a book. And in the book, I wanted to, was looking at it. I hadn't bought it. I was looking at it and I wanted to read about the author. And she said she was a business coach. And I was like, where's she at? Let me call her. Let me, you know. And I'm telling you, I hawked my kids' clothes. I mean, I did so many things in order to make those coaching payments. And the rest is herstory. <laughs> I love it. And you know, that is such a powerful and profound story of your mother pouring into you and reminding you of how she raised you and who you are and what she had taught you and all of this in that moment. And then knowing you would figure it out. She knew she didn't have the answer. Right. And she knew that you would discover it. And of course, as we know, if something's down in the back of your mind, you're thinking about it, 
and the book comes, the business coach of the, and it's like, oh, maybe I'll call this. Isn't it amazing? Yes, exactly. Because and that's why I think when we're all in the catbird seat, it's the lift as you climb concept. Yes. You know, it's you help others because you can, because you know that there's enough for everyone. And that's the moral responsibility. Absolutely. And so thank you for sharing that part of your journey and story too, because sometimes people think that, oh, well, so-and-so had it easy. It was just, they didn't have any valleys. They didn't have any mountains to climb or whatever. And usually that is not the case at all. You stayed in it for another day. Yeah. You didn't know if you were five minutes, you know, from that, so to speak. Right. But you stayed in to discover it. And if you had not, we would not have your profound organization today. Mm. So mm. I thank your mother and you. <laughs> you know. Thank you. Yeah. She was something else. I miss her. She'll be gone five years. Mm-hmm. But I feel glad that I went big enough because I could take care of her. I moved her to Dallas and was there and took care of her and held her and celebrated her as she took her last breath. If that wasn't the reason to go big, no corporation would have given me they would have said, well, that's your vacation or here's your PTO or whatever. And, and towards the end, I didn't know how long it was going to take. You don't know, you know? And um, I could just say, team, help me out. I got to go. I got to be with my mom. And I was. Priorities and had the time freedom, which is the true wealth in life, yes. to be able to make the most important decisions and choices along the way. So, Sandra, how can people reach you if they want to? find out more or get in touch? Well, you know, I'm all over social media. So from LinkedIn to uh, Facebook to Instagram and the like, and the company is eWomenNetwork.com, eWomenNetwork.com. All right. That's fantastic. And I know you've got a conference that's coming up soon. How can I find out more about that as well? From the website, and it also has its own website, EWN. It's our initials for eWomen Network, EWN Icon. It's for International Conference. So it's EWNICON.com. Check it out and let me know if you would uh, like to attend. All you have to do is give us a buzz and tell us that you heard me with Dr. Karen on her podcast. And, um, you know, I'll work out something really yummy for you, maybe $1,000 off. (laughs) <laughs> about that <laughs> now we're talking customer experience again so exactly exactly the voice of leadership and dr karen speaks leadership remember to use those names dr karen and get that's right special customer experience bonus <laughs> exactly i'll make sure and tell my assistant ann yes i love that thank you that's very generous and absolutely a wonderful offering because I know that at the time people are listening to this, the conference will be just weeks away. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much, um, Sandra, for offering that and for saying that. So what additional words of wisdom do you want to leave for my audience of corporate Christian executives? And you've shared so much wisdom already. So what Mm -hmm. else would you like to say? I, you know, I think the underpinnings of my life, and again, I attribute this to my mother. We were very close, she and I, and but she basically raised us under this notion of, you know, one thing, if you do one thing, all will be well, and that is give without remembering and take without forgetting. Ooh, I love that. It's beautiful, isn't it? And it's just always served me well. Just give, help. Be there because I can. It's not tit for tat, quid pro quo. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. Do it because you can. You're putting such great energy in the world. And then when someone helps you, just know you didn't do it by yourself, no matter what you think. And there's always someone to thank. Oh, amen to that. I love it. And again, it goes back to the generosity of spirit that you've been sharing all along. And, you know, I'll put it this way. It may very well be that God blesses you because of the way that you are a blessing to others. No question. It's not even maybe. It is. I know it is. I believe it too. I believe it too. So Sandra, first of all, I want to thank you so much for being here and sharing these words of wisdom with my audience today. And I want to just summarize a couple of points, not everything, but I'm going to summarize a couple of things that I heard that hopefully people will take away and also will listen again to take even more points out of 
what we covered today. For one thing, in thinking about customer experience, it's about how people feel as a result of interacting with your brand. And from that feeling, turning into someone who is glad to talk about you, tell stories about you, champion you to others out there in the marketplace. And the good news is you don't have to figure that out on your own. You can assemble focus groups of clients. You can assemble focus groups of internal personnel in your company to brainstorm about what would create that wonderful customer experience that gives us what I call creative advantage. Mm. You're not competing with anybody when you're being your most creative and using your special gifts in the marketplace. And then to be successful, I'm hearing you say, be clear about what your mission is and what you really want to do in the world and spend time thinking about what that looks like from an annual perspective, quarterly perspective, monthly, weekly, and daily. And say these things out loud so that as an organization, you hold each other accountable. And one of the big ideas I really want to take away is Give yourself permission to go big because it gives other people permission to go big. And so it's not just about you. It's also those people who you are influencing and affecting out there and what they're willing to do when they see you succeed. And so, Sandra, I want to say thank you for actually being willing to go big and to be an inspiration to the rest of us, me included. And I'm still watching you. I'm keeping my eye on you. Yeah. Well, you know, I cherish you. I think you know that. I mean, I really do respect you. And um, I think you're an incredibly bright, gifted woman. And I feel incredibly honored that you invited me to uh, share your show, your platform with you. And I am looking forward to all the years ahead of our journey together. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sandra. I feel the same way about you. You are have just become a new and dear person in my life. And I'm not going to forget that. I'm always going to remember. To the audience out there, just know this is not just hyperbole or, or, or speech. We have an enduring relationship and we're talking about that. Sandra is someone I respect I respect her results. I respect her person, her character, her values. And I know that that has everything to do with the success that God has given you. So Sandra, as we are closing today's show and to everyone listening out there, I have a reading. This is Proverbs 31. And very often it's talking about the virtuous woman often in marriage. What people sometimes forget And Sandra, I know that you believe that women can have it all, even though other people say they can't. And that's why I'm going to read this, because I believe this woman really does have it all, if you will. And so I'm going to start with verse 13, and it says, she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor yet she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants, strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. 
Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. So Sandra, amen today because you're a woman entrepreneur, a businesswoman who does all of these things, makes these decisions, and you're a wife and a mother. You have a husband and children who rise and call you blessed. It is possible as all things are possible with God. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.